Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart Bell here, and today we've got a great guest, Brandon Park. Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. Glad to be here. Great to have you. I was saying in last week's show, I talked to someone who I'd never spoken to before, which is a little unusual. Usually I've spoken to people at least in this call or a quick onboarding call. Brandon, yours in a slightly different situation again, because I feel like I know you because we've got some mutual connections in the background. You're on your third book now. So as a name, I've obviously seen it passing through the system a lot, but it's I feel like I know you more because we've got third party connections, both through Dean and another friend of ours, Dave. So it's great to make a connection. For the sake of the audience you haven't yet had the introduction tell us a bit more about what you guys do and a bit of your background yeah i am a cpa and i started my career with young and quickly realized that Publix was not for me and i started selling cpa firms in the year 2003 so we've been on it for about 20 years and that's what we do we sell firms in the us and in canada and in 2020 we launched a uh, an online workshop called accounting practice academy and that's when we started our first first book with you guys and Academy has really helped. We help accountants who own a practice help them do much better and get their hours down and get their profits up. And is that always with the intention of selling this eventually or are some people in the program just to exponentially grow what they've got? It's interesting. I've always been curious about, I've been coached myself and I'm a believer in business coaching. And I had this sort of vision for launching a program for accountants many years ago. And it's very difficult to get a platform off the ground in person. The things that Coach has done and some of these other networks, it's really pretty remarkable because it's hard to get people to travel and get that thing started. So a lot of times what you have to do is you start privately and then you can build it up once you have a following. And I just wanted to launch something that would help accountants. I felt like we had a lot of knowledge we actually wrote our first book in 2010 and I wrote it old hard way, the old fashioned <laughs> way. And that was the first sort of where we put our knowledge into. And I never intended it to be a get ready for a sale program. Right. And then I got accused of that. Like when we launched it, said, you're doing this to feed your brokerage business. And honestly, that wasn't the intent, but that has been the effect. So it has been a good feeder because a lot of times people, when they're thinking about selling, that's when they really think, okay, I need to get my business in shape for a sale. So we have all sorts of people in. We have people who are selling. We have younger people who just want to build a good foundation. So. Surprised, isn't you mentioned the people often have the thought of making some improvements or the catalyst for taking that step is an external trigger of thinking about selling or I'm guessing that some people have had an external event that kind of wakes them up and snaps them out of it a little bit. Those two groups of people, the younger guys who are just looking to exponentially grow but they're really in it and the people who are thinking okay this is maybe i need to do something ready to sell the itself are very similar people to be coached and the suggestions that are being made because underlying it's the same things that need to happen whether you're looking to grow it and stay in it or grow it to get out of it i'm guessing the fundamentals are the same but the approach might be different yeah our program is very much about fundamentals and mindsets those ought to be more universal right. and they apply to young people, older people, doesn't matter where you are, they're fundamentals. And I think the only difference is like, sometimes there's more energy and excitement in the younger crowd because they've never, some of these mindsets are very new to them. And for some of the more experienced CPAs that are going through the program, they're reminders. 
Right. And but they still need the reminder. And I guess there must be a frustration to a certain degree under the more experienced group of this is something that I should have known years ago. There can be a frustration in that. Yeah, I've had a couple of people say the only thing I regret about taking this is that I didn't take it 10 years ago. Yeah, it's that old analogy of the best time to plant a tree was 100 years ago. The second best time is today. And without a time machine, just crack on and today's the day. Today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, My wife years ago as a between she's a teacher so in between some jobs she was helping people with like home organizing getting things squared away like a an english marie curie type thing. not marie curie but that was completely different marie but she really did that for a short period of time and enjoyed the actual work of it but what made her and immediately go back into teaching was she said that it was turned into only 10 percent of the fundamentals of organization and getting things sorted out and then 90 percent was marriage guidance and just all the psychological elements of why people weren't doing the obvious stuff steps is a slightly more professional environment so you're probably not doing so much marriage guidance but i imagine a lot of it is more around the mind there's an animate of it which is definitely associated with the mindsets and the psychology and not necessarily with the nuts and bolts or numbers of the cpa practice we did a lot of studying when we're creating the we did a lot of studying about change human change how do you create change in people and that's an interesting like that's a whole topic of its own that's extremely interesting and we all know our own i think people have their own goals to changing and so one of the things that we really focus on in the workshop is honing in on what those are for people we call fti's failure to implement okay. so so we or we get people to become very aware of where they've had problems changing in the past and also aware of where they've succeeded okay here's the path if i want to change this has worked for me in the past maybe it's how you lost weight or how you started a next program and those are the same things that apply to changing your business it's interesting, isn't it? Because my background is IT project management and the very kind of structured frame, or there was, this is going back a few years now, but there was a very structured framework around the work that we did. And a lot of that coming out of projects was the kind of post-mortem at the end of every project to try and get that lessons learned. And it's definitely the case that as an exercise wasn't utilized as much as it could have been. The theory around it is that every project going forward then looks at the lessons learned, not only to avoid problems, but also pick up on best practices. But it's something that I don't think I've ever seen anyone else talk about outside of those project management disciplines. And the idea of taking that extra time to look at where those successes and failures were and think about, taking that moment to think about the thinking of what was successful and what wasn't, that I think is a, it, it's a difficult to sell in coaching programs to say that one of the main, a main thing that you're going to get out of this is the fact that it's a period of time away from the day-to-day just to think about the thinking of this. But the benefits of that, it's really quite an intangible. It's, I don't know if you've experienced the same or you get that same feedback from your members. Yeah, we we've been a bit surprised at how people have taken action. Like we yeah. built this hoping and thinking that okay, that this is going to work because we did do a lot of individual prior to building a program that's a group model and it was but we were blown away that people are taking action in such a big fashion. And we thought well, that's going to be the hardest thing to have to do. We can give all the great ideas and their business because most of the people that come into our program are very busy. They're actually overscheduled. And so it's very tempting for them just to fall back into their old habits. And so we were aware of that going in. It's like, how do we keep 
keep people to make moves here? How do we get them to make the change, take all these great ideas and put them into action? And I, I feel like we built the right amount of accountability. Accountability is a big component of it. Yeah. And also with the awareness and making the ideas simple and not overcomplicating things. If it's complicated, people are just not going to. The practical implication of understanding all of a complex model is difficult enough. But when you add that, particularly as you say, if people are overscheduled and that's one of the main reasons why they're raising their hand and saying, hey, I need some, I need to do something different, dumping a whole load of extra complicated stuff, the likelihood, with the best will in the world, the likelihood of that being done is slim. So breaking it down into bite-sized chunks, that kind of bridges nicely into kind of the book conversation because we often have this i think i said it in last week's show as well i was saying that we have a lot of conversations with people who are coming with ideas but the ideas are coming from that 10 years of experience perspective i need to tell people this level of information where really the majority of books where we're trying to engage with people is at this level it's the 101 introduction they're just starting their journey so don't overcomplicate it by delivering the 202 level of knowledge it's starting at that position so for you guys in the program was it a was it intentional or a happy coincidence to really i don't want to say strip back but really think about the simple implementation steps was that absolutely we wanted to make this very simple, very bite-sized. There were a lot of programs when we looked at our competition that were, and I think this is, you know, this is an interesting thing about professionals in a lot of, in a lot of different professions. I see it in law for sure and in accounting. And there's what, like you mentioned, it's this, hey, I've got to show my knowledge. I've got to, that more is more. Oh, like if I write a, if I write a 2000 page book, or if I come up with a lot that's super complicated, people are going to value that more somehow. And the opposite. It's the opposite because people need something actionable. They don't, they won't, they don't need to know how much they need to know what you know that will actually move the needle for them. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. We, say starting their journey, that's the exact thing to bear in mind that it's their starting their journey. It's great to have additional things later, but it's the wrong place to have it at the beginning part of that conversation, whether the conversation is just sales discovery call at the very early part or yeah. onboarding into the early days. It's, uh, I made that mistake last at the end of last year. Someone invited me to dial into a webinar to give a quick presentation on some book things. And I just finished the scorecard book that goes through the eight book mindsets. So I was probably overly proud of that. It's, it is super valuable, but it's not a it's not the first part of the conversation. It's the second or third part of the conversation. The invitation that I got was to really talk to a group of people who hadn't necessarily thought about writing a book at all and trying to deliver in a short period of time these eight mindsets mindsets which are super and useful but not if you're going from I've never even thought about writing a book what's the benefit so completely the little post-mortem that I did myself afterwards completely judge the the right level and not that I was intentionally trying to show how much like overwhelmed with how much we know but just trying to deliver too much of the wrong value or the right value but at the wrong time so it is really a balancing act it is and you've got to keep people engaged and so there's got to be entertainment value we hired a coach to help us build the program right from the perspective of just engagement like human engagement because a lot of our programs are video there's a video component right. and so we wanted to keep people engaged and one of the things i'll never forget she told me that our coach was think about a hollywood movie like you turn into si miami one of those crime scene investigators right. investigation right. movies what's the first thing that happens in the first movie? yeah the drama and the murder. dead body the dead body there's always a dead body right yeah. away yeah and she's you got to have that you need that in your 
in your videos is what's your dead body in the first minute? It's you got to capture people. Do you know what? It's such an interesting thing. We've had a lot of conversations in the last few days, and this could be a whole other conversation. Maybe we do another podcast at some point in the future, diving into this a little bit. So we've had so many conversations the last couple of weeks or couple of months talking about the chat GPT type revelation moment and abundance 360 is on at the moment. So we've been dialing into those live streams. This idea of, of content being much more easily generated through AI. But I think the point can't be done is this idea of engagement. So a base level of content is going to go from here to here because it's easier for people to create. That generation of relevant stuff just gets done. But when you think about it in terms of your program, let's say, for example, we're three years down the track generating video modules that go along with your core agenda, that might get easier from an AI perspective. But that idea of delivering the engaging content, that's not necessarily going to be there and not there in the way that ties into your brand, to your way of doing things. So for you to have gone through those steps to think about, okay, we're going to make some content that is engaging, that keeps people, gives them a hook to get tuned into, to raise that energy level. And then it's tailored to our program. So we've got some personality and perspective on top of it. That's going to be such a difference maker because the baseline is being like everyone, not everyone, but more people are going to be able to go from zero to something. To be able to go from something to something better, that's going to be a challenge. And it looks like that was quite a big thing that you addressed in the setup. Yeah, it was something we were very aware of because people can only read so much at one time. People can only listen for so long at one time. So you have to bring in and you have to engage them and sometimes leave some space in there. And it's uh, yeah. there's science to it. For sure. And that idea is leaving the space around the the logical steps as someone is coming in from not knowing who you are at all to having some introduction that gets them to a landing page or some or a podcast or something that allows them the opportunity to raise their hand through those first entry points to the call to action that minimum viable step of what text it is such a Going from nothing to something is the 80%. Spend a lot of time saying to people, don't get too hung up on it, at least in the first iteration. Get the first working version out there and then you can always tweak. But the dialing in and the refining it, once you've got that space to think about refining it, is quite a step. So you mentioned you've got three books, I guess four books, and a traditional book and then three books that you're writing with us. The first one was the Unplugged Vacation, which I'm guessing comes from this idea that you've got a lot of oversubscribed people. Do you want to talk about that one a little bit and what the impetus behind the book was and who the audience was that you were trying to serve? Yeah, the Unplugged Vacation was addressing the major issue that our clients have. And I had a call with a younger CPA years ago and he said he wanted to sell his business. And I started asking him, like, do you enjoy what you do? Yeah, I like the profession. I love my clients. I'm engaged. I love my staff. Like everything's good. He was just burned out. I said, when's the last time you had a vacation? And it had been quite a while for him. And I said, look, before you sell your neighbor, go take a week off, go somewhere really cool. Don't take your laptop. Don't take your smartphone. Go and just completely unplug and then come back and see if you like your business. But he's still in, he's still in practice. Okay. Yeah. So I knew that this was a need because so many people and in today's world, so many people are staying connected all the time. They don't disconnect and our brains need to unravel and it's actually a big benefit to your business. And so that was, and we give this book out at conferences. We 
we took it to an AICPA conference in Las Vegas, right? When we published it and we printed off a couple of copies and we were just handing out. So we would come up to people and say, do you check email when you're on vacation? And they would be like, yeah. And we're like, you need to read this book. And they would take the book, they put it under their arm and walk around the conference. We saw these orange books all over the conference. So it was great for that. It's such a, so many opportunities to use books in different ways. We've done some podcasts in the past talking about some of those different ideas, but the fact that there's a relatively straightforward way of getting it created now. It's not the traditional publishing, lock yourself in a cabin and six months and thousands of dollars of editing. So there's a there's a fast, cost-effective way of creating something. And then once you've got the asset, the tool, there's a few of ways in which you can use it. And even if you're using it in the print sense and using it as a kind of elaborate business card in conferences, the cost of printing them, I think even if, when you include shipping, which is obviously the heavy thing, so that adds to it a bit, but $3 or so to get something printed and trying to get something printed or the merchy give it away type g ball type things that people do at conferences which are debatably effective value that's created in this thing because it's sharing something there is an element of it's one of the psychological tricks if you like of a book the fact that it exists and it's printed on the page it carries so much more weight than just a brochure or a letter or a pen with your name on it it's really interesting to think about those ways now that you've done the work of creating something the ways that you can use it that conversation with people do you take do you check email on vacation it's such a great follow-up question so we often talk about now that you've got the book the also responder when someone opts in for a copy those five or six touch points is the opportunity to get that conversation going and the second email so the first email is delivering the book the second email we refer to as a beer email a short personal expecting a reply that do you check emails when you're on vacation is such a disarming and that opens up the gates to a conversation i imagine that's something that has resonated with you guys and then with the people you asked the question of. Yeah, the expressions on their faces were very interesting to watch. It was... It's not It's not what you ex- would expect someone to ask you and it's. it forces you to stop and think for a second before answering it. Yeah, yeah. We got a lot of different answers. Some people was like, of course. Doesn't everybody? Yeah, and, how could you not? Yeah, so it was an interesting... And we had a great conference because there was, I think, about 2,000 people there. So it was a lot of people to test it out on idea of writing the book sparked by the conversation with that CPA is that a book obviously there's two more followed on from that so we're thinking in terms of very different funnels and different approaches different opportunities for people to come into the world has that first book the unplugged vacation one do you find that is typically used as like a lead generation piece at the top of the funnel to people who don't know you or is it more like a lead conversion piece people come in maybe from different channels but this is a great way of people who are aware of you of elevating the conversation and sparking a different thought process because yeah. it's an engaged question that's a it's a little bit of a difficult one for us to answer because we are a very heavy content driven company and we're very if you think about our it's transactional we're we broker cpa firms So most of our business is extremely transactional and our sales cycle is very lengthy. So sometimes I'll talk to people five, even 10 years before they want to sell. So we have this lengthy pipeline and we've used it both as a lead generation, like at the conference with people who didn't know us, and we've used it as a conversation follow-up. So let's say I'm nurturing a long-term lead, someone who's thinking about selling their business and they call me three, four years prior and they're burned out. And I've just from a conversation that I might have with them on a common follow-up, 
call. Then I go, oh, I've got this book for you. Let me send this to you. And so I think it helps nurture the relationship even more. And we, when you think about our product, it's a very high value. It's a high trust type of, yeah. And that rapport building, the fact that you've got different tools that you can deploy depending on how the conversation goes. Again, it's an asset that's created in one point of time that's useful for decades down the track to be able to pull out as something that really adds value to the conversation. Because I imagine that it's not thinking about that example, you're checking back in with someone years down the track, this happens to come up in conversation, sending them that copy of the book, it's it's not closing in the sense of it's not jamming in a sales tool into a conversation. It's really all value and helpful information and building that relationship even more, knowing that it is such a long lead time for conversions. Yeah, exactly. If you're in any kind of sales work and the sales cycle is really lengthy, You'll learn really quick. You can't push people when they're not ready. I talk about the, I've mentioned it on a couple of shows recently. There was a book that someone had recommended years ago. I think it's actually out of print now. It's called One Selling by an Australian academic called Michael Gleason. And his, I can't, One is an acronym for something. And the fact that he's Australian, that's why I'm guessing that's what led to the title. But one of the things that he talks about in that book is this idea of check moves. So his work with sales teams is that the salespeople are never finally in control of the sale. That's always in the hands. They're the ones that make the decision. So it's misplaced to incentivize or track salespeople on closures. What you should be tracking is closing opportunities. So what he called check moves. So every time you do an outreach that would lead to a close, check that, track that. And it's really forces the bit that you said, you can't force someone into it, but by staying there as a trusted partner, as a trusted advisor or someone useful in their world, knowing that will, being there at the point that they decide that today is the day for them is the secret. And this being another, even then, again, we sometimes have conversations with people who are talking about books and want to put the cart before the horse and run down the track of thinking about five before they've even done one. But even if you had one book, to be able able to pull out a useful chapter or useful takeaway that kind of reinforces the conversation and then follow up with the book by using it to deliver more value. You definitely don't need three or four. It can be done with one. It's just thinking about ways of now I've got this asset. How can I use it in a way that adds value? That leads to the second book. The second book was positioned slightly differently. Do you want to give us a bit of a background on that one? Yeah, so we the second book was scaling, scaling cloud firms. In the last, I'd say, five to seven years, we've seen an increasing number of fully virtual CPA firms that are being sold now. And I think these firms were probably started being created maybe 2010-ish. And so we really didn't see any sales of those firms until a few years afterwards. And it's becoming a bigger and bigger part of our business. So we thought, hey, we'd like to get out front as the thought leader and be useful in this industry. So we essentially took some of our knowledge, put it in the book for scaling, knowing that a lot of these cloud firm owners are very entrepreneurial and they're very interested in growth. A lot of those firms grow very quickly. So that's what they're interested in. And yeah. so we wrote something to help them. And then hopefully if they're interested in acquiring or selling, they'll think of us when that time comes. Such a great way of thinking about a niche, like taking a moment to think about the trajectory of the industry as a whole, or if there's a new segment coming up. And like 
like you say, there's an opportunity with being the first to market with something that introduces the idea. And it doesn't need to be like the book itself is 70 pages or so. It's not like you wrote, again, six months in the Caribbean writing the 2000 page tome on cloud computing. It's just using the idea because, as you said, these are long converting opportunities. It's a dynamic and moving environment. So using the idea, always knowing that there's more stuff off book, out of book, there's kind of building on it. It really allows you to be quite lean and move quickly to get something out there that introduces a fascinating thought process to think about the different assets that you've got in the books. There's like a founding fundamental book addressing a problem that a lot of people have got. There's a new early market. Here's a thought technology that is evolving as we speak. And then the third book, trying to talk about the third book and where that sits in the spectrum. So the third book, which it's one of those ideas like, why didn't I have this idea 10 years ago? It's how to prepare your CPA firm for a sale. So we had a white paper that was about 10 pages long called our succession planning guide, which has been very successful. And now that we have the business alongside the brokerage business, this sort of serves both audiences. We felt like this would be a great tool for promoting our coaching business. But it would also be a great tool for people that don't really want to be coached, but might want some easy sort of low-hanging fruit ideas to get their business in shape to sell. And then hopefully if we give them value and it's helpful when they do go to sell, they'll call us. And that's exactly the point, isn't it? It's not like the job of work of the book is close those people immediately. It's to make them aware of you. So all of your potential clients could be interested in that book, whether it's today or 10 years down the track. So it, thinking of the books as that first step. And I think that's a big difference between the 90-minute book approach and the traditional approach. The traditional book either publishes are thinking about it in terms of the book itself being the product. Therefore, it needs to be so big and it needs to be it needs to be able to justify a $20 hardback cost and we want to sell 20,000 of them. Or it's people think about traditional type books as I want to put all of my knowledge in here so that people are overwhelmed by the book so that they immediately phone me up asking to do business with me and it does complete the sales cycle for me when the practicality of that the reality is that's not the case it's like you've you've described customers are on a one to ten year journey of absorbing information and then at some point they're going to be ready the benefit of the books that you've created is it starts that conversation and to a certain degree in their mind you've adopted the incumbent position it doesn't guarantee that they'll come to you but it certainly makes it more likely yeah and it gets them in our funnel right it gets Get some in our ecosystem of content, which we're big content creators. It's a great tool. And I think it's also, even if it's a 50 page book, you're still an author and you're still, it gives you credibility in your space. And people don't want to read a long book, not busy professionals. I had, when we got back from the Las Vegas conference that I talked about earlier, I got an email from a gentleman who was there and he said, Hey, I read your book coming back from the conference. And can you send me five or six other copies? I want to send this to some of my CPA buddies that I know. Sure. What's your address? And we sent him five other copies or 10 other copies or whatever. And it doesn't have to be a long read. And matter of fact, it's better if it's not for most busy people. Yeah. It's this idea of you're using the idea. So like how to sell the CPA practice or how 
had to, uh, to be that could be a college credit course you could have like months and months worth of stuff that could go into it or scaling it back it could be 200 pages or scaling it back further it could introduce the idea and the concepts and deliver the beginnings of value and then give people the way to get more it's the start of the conversation it's such a key difference because like you say it makes it more likely that it will be read and it makes it more likely that it will done because you started off the call by talking about the first traditional book you did and it was more painful than the last three so with them being busy the likelihood of going from nothing to something is way more valuable than going from from not having thinking about doing something but not actually having it because you never get it finished yeah and not only that but i think the two the mindset that i would encourage people that are writing a book or thinking about it is it's better if it's not long and just give them the real meaty stuff don't be afraid to give them stuff that's really going to help them because the more you think about helping your reader more that book is going to do the job that you want it to do right the authenticity and the value comes across people can tell if you're holding things back or if it's just superficial and then the call to action is well now you need to come into the office and we'll lock the door behind you and i'll grab you for two hours it work in these times super appreciated of your time i would be really great at some point in the not too distant future to jump on another call and talk about the you guys are such big in terms of content and delivering value beyond the book so it'd be really great to jump on another call at some point if you've got time to really dive into that because you guys have got not only the ability to create that content but you've got a mindset of creating it and continuing to deliver value and the books feed into that funnel and trigger some of it and their anchor points for some of those later conversations so that whole ecosystem that you've got of having various different assets that you plug together and i'm sure it's now in a situation or now in a state which is much more advanced than it was to begin with so if you have time at some point in the not too distant future it'd be great to dive into that a little bit more yeah be happy to we uh, in fact we we are in the process of reorganizing our website because we have so much content that we found out that, hey, our content's a bit scattered. So we need to bring it into one hub and have it all based, or at least you can find your path to it fairly easily. And maybe uh, that'll be a good point to touch back with you. Yeah. And we can do, you can share the kind of before and after, because I think it is a, it's an organic problem. It starts off, you're not a content creation business as such. So you didn't start off by building everything to scale to hundred people consuming the content and I think this is the problem that everyone gets you start off by having a blog and then maybe having a YouTube channel and then it just gets very spread out so to be able to consolidate it and link it together yeah that'd be a great point to do that thanks again for your time Brandon. I want to make sure that people have got access to check out more of what you guys do so what's a great resource or place for people to go to find out more the best place is just go to our website which is hogroupadvisors.com fantastic we'll make sure we put some links in the show notes for it both on the podcast feed and the website of the episode so as you're listening to this check that out obviously if you've got any interest if you're a cpa firm and you've got interested in the coaching side of the business or you're thinking about selling or setting it up that way but even if you're in any other business I recommend checking it out just to see what what brandon and the guys are doing this has been really enjoyable like i said i've got a million questions that i could think we could talk for another hour but it'd be really good to check back in again so thanks again for your time this morning thanks everyone for listening definitely check out the show notes we'll put the link there to po group advisors and Brandon, thank you. We'll catch you in the next one. Thank you, Stuart. Look forward to coming back. Fantastic.